Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Double FM Sports. I'm Todd File. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jeremy Zarek. And today, we're going to get you caught up on news because it's been a solid, what, three weeks? <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, three weeks. So that's pretty much all today is, is just our, our commentary on, uh, I want to say the latest news, but like some of it is three weeks old, but everything that you need to know about the wide, wide world of sports. Yeah. So uh, we want to start off in the NFL, especially with the Super Bowl coming up here in a week. Yeah. Sure. I mean, speaking of the Super Bowl, obviously the playoffs have happened. Um, what the last time we were on, it wasn't even through the wild card week. And here we are, we have two teams in the Super Bowl. obviously the chiefs out of the AFC and the bucks out of the NFC. Um, first off, let's get some thoughts on, you know, what happened over the last couple of weeks regarding the playoffs. Ethan, I know it's a, it's a tough, tough topic for you to talk about. Um, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you describe it through your point of view as a Steelers fan? Um, uh, one word I would describe it as is pain. I mean, losing the wild card, especially after starting 11-0, is tough, but especially to Cleveland, who's our biggest division rival. Not, eh, a division rival, um, it's just super painful, especially considering the fact that we were 12-4, and won the AFC North, and we, we could have made a run, but – no, Cleveland came along and somehow put 48 up on us. I mean, that's tough, but I can't really say anything. You know, Cardinals missed it out by a game. So props to you guys for making the playoffs. Um, I want to go to a game that, you know, we all kind of thought had some potential there to be a pretty good game. I think it lived up to that. The Buccaneers-Washington game in the wild card round. And not only was that just like a good game in general, but my man, Taylor Heineke. Tell me how many of you knew his name before the wild card round this past year. I did. Okay, Todd, you, you, you like stuff like that, so you don't count. But I'm sure Ethan didn't, and I don't think I did. But the man, he played some good football for yeah, Washington. I mean – yeah, they ended up losing, but it was only by eight to the Bucks team, who is, as we just mentioned, now in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, outside of that, you know, you had the Bills beat the Colts. The Rams took down the Seahawks. Saints beat the Bears, but not by uh, much. And as we got into the divisional round, we saw what happened to the Saints, and then the Ravens beat the Titans. Um, go into the divisional round then. Packers beat the Rams, but I got to say, I think the Rams put up a little bit more of a fight than people realize. The score, yes, was 32 to 18, a 14 point game, but that game was a seven point game with five minutes left. I mean, it was a close game. Yeah. And then Lamar Jackson fans, the Ravens only put up three points against that Bills defense. That's, uh, I'd say, a little embarrassing. Um, take it how you want it. Now the Chiefs, the Chiefs Browns game. Patrick Mahomes. Eh, you know, didn't play super great. The whole entire game got concussed. 
Yeah, but just the whole entire game. I mean, outside of the fact that he got hurt, only 255 yards and a touchdown. That was like halfway through the game. (laughs) But like for the Chiefs, like I'm not. Yeah. You're saying being on pace for over 400 yards isn't a good day. No, no, no. It's not that. It's the one touchdown thing. They still – I still don't think you can fully blame that on him. Um, And I'm pretty sure that man doesn't have bad days. (laughs) You're not wrong. If that's his worst worst day at halftime – then that's that's really good, but I and... still think that game should have gone the other way, and it's because of this. What was it, Rashad? Um, why am I blanking on his last name? Oh Higgins? my god! Yes, thank you, Rashad Higgins caught a pass from Baker Mayfield. They were, like, in the red zone with, I want to say, under a minute left in the first half. He dives for the pylon. Daniel Sorensen, what, free safety for the the Chiefs, comes in to make the play, initiates helmet-to-helmet contact, and Richard Higgins fumbles the ball through the back of the end zone, which results in a touchback. But the refs completely missed the fact that Daniel Sorensen – hit him in the helmet with his helmet, which would be an automatic penalty. Like, that's a clean call. So, and I mean, I get it. You know, you you shouldn't be in a situation where you win or lose based on a ref call. But at the same time, that's got to hurt because that's a score right there if Sorensen doesn't knock out Higgins. So... And then, of course, Browns went over the Chiefs. And I don't know. I just wasn't a huge fan of that call. But Fair enough. I, I didn't watch it. The only thing I can think of is the fact that with if Higgins was diving, that would give you some lead. Like, yes, you know, you at all times, you don't want to hit with the helmet-to-helmet contact. But I think that maybe could be the reason why. Again, like I said, I, I'm not entirely sure the play you're talking about. Like, I don't have it pictured in my head, but that could be my only guess as to why. Yeah. Or they just blatantly missed it. I mean, there is some history of blatantly missed calls in the playoffs. Yep. I will <laughs> say. Fans know all about it. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Wait, was it Rams or Saints? Saints. The Saints. Rams did it to the Saints. But yeah, that P.I. comic. It wasn't quite that egregious, but, I mean, Sorensen came in from the side, and yeah. Higgins was going vertical down the field. So, it's I don't know. It's one of those ones where it's like, it's the rule, they should enforce the rule, but maybe the rule, the rule in that case is subject to change, I don't know. I feel like they just missed it trying to check to see if he crossed the uh, the plane or not. Oh. Uh, you, you, you can review for targeting, I think. I don't right? think you can. I don't think you can in the NFL. No, no, no. You can, review, you can review for an ejection. I, that's that in, I think that's all in college, though. Like, that whole no, targeting no, 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 rule. If there's a targeting, they can review it for an ejection. I mean, yeah, but the targeting role, as I've learned over the past couple of weeks, 
I mean, I knew it, but like I've seen it more often, I guess. It's a lot more so in the in the college level. I mean, you do end up getting targeting penalties in the NFL, but a lot of the times they're just and when I say just, I don't mean it like it's nothing, but they're just, you know, fifteen yard unnecessary roughness penalties a lot of the time, if anything. Yeah. So we want to move on to our conference championships, which were last week a little more relevant uh, than the wild card rounds. Sure. Um, you know, we had a pretty, I'd say, honestly, these are probably, so these are some of the best wild card football matchups I've seen personally in the last couple of years. I mean, you're talking about the new school versus the old school. When you're talking about the old school AFC or NFC with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And that game I thought was, you know, amazing, you know, ending up 31 to 26, the Bucks obviously take it, as we mentioned earlier, but I thought that was a pretty good game. And I think it's a little bit crazy that Tom Brady threw three interceptions and somehow still made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, when's the last time you saw a guy throw three picks and make it to the Super Bowl? I mean, to be fair, like only one or two of them were actually his fault. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, you had the one go off of Evan's hands, and then you had the one with the, you know, blitz coming off the edge where he had absolutely nothing to do, and Evan's right. lost it. But, I mean, I still think it's a little crazy that you could have I three think, takeaways and still think, lose the Super Bowl. I think more so the Packers beat themselves in that game. Because what? I'm going to say – Instead of taking that field goal at the end, they could have gone for the touchdown. Because if you get the field goal, you're basically giving it to one of the best, like the best quarterback of all time to end the game. Like 99 times out of 100, Tom Brady's going to convert the first down and win the game. Yeah. It's like giving the ball back to Joe Montana. (laughs) Exactly. You know he's probably going to win the game. I mean, the thing, the problem I had with it, I mean – was it? A, I mean, again, I agree with your decision. The problem that I had with it was there was two minutes left in the game. Right. And, yes, they had all three timeouts and they had the two-minute warning. But you have two minutes left in the game. You have a chance to tie. It's not like it was nine points. It was eight points. It was eight points. You get the touchdown and you get the two-point conversion. And yes, you know, eight the touchdown and two-point conversion that's hard to get you know especially in crunch time when pressure's on trip to the super bowl but if it would it would be one thing if there was like four minutes left but two just doesn't make sense to me i mean it it doesn't make sense at all i don't think yeah and obviously like i think one of the most annoying things is a lot of packers fans have been blaming that loss and that uh i guess pi call at the end, I think that was a valid PI call. In all honesty, um, well, I think my, my but, opinion with that is a lot of the people were talking about how the game was pretty handsy, and it was, and the ref was letting them play. The difference between that call and all the other ones that they were trying to argue for PI was it was a jersey tug, and it was so clear, I, it was a clear jersey tug. You could easily see it. I know, but I don't. I don't think the question was did they make the right call. I think it's the question of were they consistent, mm-hmm. and I think to an extent, when you're looking at it as PI in a whole, no. But the fact that it was a different, it wasn't you know receiver and D back going at it with the hands. It was just grabbing onto the jersey. Yeah, I mean that. That's what I see. 
I, I again, I think it was the right call, and yeah, it helped the. I almost said Patriots. It helped the Bucks end up, you know, closing the game out. But yeah, it is what it is. The Packers just beat themselves with a couple, a couple of those bad decisions down the stretch, um, and then that led the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl. And then I guess on the AFC side, the Chiefs' offense just looked unstoppable. Um, don't Josh and the Bills just started. The Josh Allen eventually started to find his way, but the Bills just started off a little too slow at the beginning to catch up. Essentially, yeah. I mean, what the score was twenty-one. I mean, wait, Ethan. Huh. The first quarter, the Bills were up nine nothing. Three field goals, or no, not three field goals. It was like a touchdown. Yeah, I wouldn't call that starting off slow. Yeah, but then what happened in the second quarter? (laughs) Well, then they scored three touchdowns, and it was twenty-one nine. What What I should say is, well, the Bills got lucky off of a muffed fumble by McCall Hardman that put them on the two-yard line. So their offense was already like, their offense really just never got going. That was the only really. That's the only touchdown they had in the game, correct? Oh no, they no, no they had more. They had more, but I'm just saying the first. I think in the first half, that was the only touchdown they had. They had a touchdown half, first and fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I at the end of the day, it was still only a 14 point loss when you're talking about the defending Super Bowl champions, you know, arguably the most complete offense in football right now. Yeah, I, I'm not going to hate on the Bills for only losing to the Chiefs by 14. You know what I mean? Like, with the I, caliber that team is, it could have been worse. Josh Allen, I think, in the second quarter especially, just was not throwing the ball that well. I think if he was throwing the ball a lot better, maybe that game would have been different. I think the second quarter really was the key factor in this game. Yeah, I mean – like we said, the Chiefs put up three touchdowns and the Buck or Bills put up a field goal. You know, twenty-one to three is not a good quarter by any means, and especially going into halftime, that can really hurt the momentum. Yeah. Right. All right. Do we want to move away from playoff, or actually, you want to give a Super Bowl predict prediction? I was going to say we need to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're doing score. Just who do we think is going to win? Score. We need a score. This is the biggest game of the year. I'm going to take, take the Chiefs 38-34. Cause nine, Cause I think I think the 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 Chiefs defense is a little shaky. I think Brady's going to honestly pick apart the Chiefs defense. I think Mahomes is going to pick apart the Bucks defense slightly more. All right. I'm going to be non-committal as always and just I will break down my thought process, but I'm not going to make an actual prediction. I'm going to say this. If the Chiefs' defense played like they did against the Bills, they can win this game, especially if the offense plays like we've come to expect them to play. But if the Bucks show up and there aren't any stupid miscommunication errors, I think they have a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I'm I'm going with what my gut tells me, and that's to never bet against playoff Tom Brady. 
And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say that Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. Um, score prediction. Honestly, it really depends. Kind of like Todd said, you know, the Chiefs defense has a potential to play well, but they won't always because they're not, you know, they're not super great. But, like, you know, they held the Bills to 24 points, and that's a pretty good offense there. Like, they show up when they have to. Yeah, I mean, but then you also have to remember the Bucks defenses. I mean, not statistically, but when you're looking at talent-wise, that defense just has studs everywhere. I mean, yeah. Devin White, the D-line is a bunch of old veteran guys who are having, you know, great years. The cornerbacks are young, but they have their moments. Um, Antoine Winfield's really had a good year this year, but he might not be back. I know he's out with an ink. He was out with an ink. No, 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 they said they said, it, they said Antonio Brown and Winfield are expected back, but expected back is different from will be back. I mean, yeah, we're gonna have, we have to see there, but yeah. Honestly, I, I mean, I'm still sticking with my prediction that Tom Brady's gonna get it done. Um, get a ring for those the Bucks. Um, I'm gonna go with. Oh, I have a question after that, but go ahead. Thirty-five to twenty-four. All right. Whoa, you're saying double-digit win for the Bucks? Uh-huh. So we both have the Bucks scoring thirty-five technically. I mean, yeah, but so. Uh, this this may be a stupid question, and I think I already know the answer to this. Does Tom Brady retire if he wins? No. no. I figured. Okay. I mean, the man is 43. If he wanted to retire after winning a Super Bowl, he would have done it a couple years ago when the Pats won. Like, I just it, He's got the spark, you know? I just don't know when he'll retire. Yeah. I think like, that's I probably like, – I feel like – I feel like he might want to go on a little bit of a mission to try to get a couple teams a Super Bowl ring. I don't I don't think I don't see a 43-year-old quarterback becoming a, you know, quote-unquote ring chaser. Um I, I don't see that. Um but I think the I think the reason is is I mean the man is the most successful quarterback, most successful player in NFL history. Nobody has as many rings and the MVPs and the Super Bowl MVPs as Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of if he's driven by success. It's really, he just, you know, as Todd said, he has that spark. He has the love for football still. And to be honest, I don't know if, I mean, unless he declines in play and you know, he still had a pretty good season this year, I would say, outside of starting off a little shaky with interceptions. I don't think he's going to be out of football until he loses his love for playing the sport, which who knows how long that could be. I mean, I don't think we'll see him when he's 50, but, you know, crazier things have happened. I'm going to say probably in the next, like, seven to eight years, he'll probably retire. Ethan, okay, you gave – I just said we won't see him till 50, and then you proceeded to say 50. No, he might want to be going till he's, like, 50 and then call it. I'd say give him till 46 at his best. I'd give him two or three more years. Mm-hmm. Todd, any prediction there? I mean, let me just say this. He's probably not going to retire this year because he still has a year left on his contract. That's true. That's fair. So... All right, should we move away from the playoffs here and on to some maybe more rumor stuff that we've been talking about? What about coach hirings? 
Coach hirings are huge this off season. Yeah, seriously. Oh, I thought it was Norris first, but okay. Man, I've got the list right there for you. Well, I wasn't looking. <laughs> All right. So, I think I'm going to go with the smaller ones here first. Um, the Cowboys fired their defensive coordinator. I think we can all know. I think we all know why. They they had the probably the worst defense this year. And then they picked up a former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn. That's his name, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, I want to make sure I wasn't messing up his name. I knew his last name was Quinn, but so you know he's part of the Cowboys coaching staff. Ethan, your Steelers let go of the Hallelujah. The O line, the D back coach. And, well, not they didn't let go of the O line. They let go of the O line coach, the D back coach, and Randy Feekner, offensive coordinator. How do you feel about that? Hallelujah. Um, yeah, I just I did not like Randy Feekner's style of play. I didn't like the short little the short little rinky dink pass every every time, even on like third and fifteen. So um, I'm hoping we get someone in there that maybe takes some more shots down the field, um, or at least just has a more effective offense than Randy Feekner's offense. And well, we did just sign, I think our quarterbacks coach or something, Matt Canada, I think to be believed to be our offensive coordinator. He's expected to be at least. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense he runs in comparison to Feekner's. Yeah. Um, should be interesting. I, I think, you know, we'll see what, in, what offense is put in there, especially with, I mean, like you I, said, those short slants um, didn't do you the guys the trick. Against I the mean, it needed to be – the only reason it worked at the beginning of the year, that was the only reason was is because, like, no one really knew what it was. And then people actually started to figure it out, and then they stopped Okay, it. Ethan, Ethan, you got to be kidding me. You're telling me that nobody knows what quick slants are? We started, out, we started out 11-0. and 0, And our yeah, offense was 30 plus like every game. I don't think it had to do with – not knowing what was hitting them. I mean, come on. That's a that's a Madden glitch. Every gamer knows about that, let alone head coaches and defensive coordinators. Yeah. I mean, it worked well for them. I'm not going to deny that, but I don't know if that's the reason why they were so good so early. But outside of that, um, head coaching changes. Obviously, you have guys like the Jaguars and the um, the Jets – you know, who fired their head coaches. They probably, I would say, had the two best head coach signings of this uh, coach carousel, if you will, with uh, Robert Sala for the New York Jets, you know, former defensive coordinator for the uh, 49ers. Obviously pretty good with his defense there in San Fran. And then former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer, now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. How are you feeling about those two coaches? Uh, I like the Robert Sala pick. Um, the Urban Meyer thing for a guy, it, it's going to be, I'm not going to say he's going to do good or bad. I don't have a prediction, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense he runs in comparison to what he ran for Ohio State in college. Uh, and if that works in the league today, it'll be, it'll just be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah. Because a lot of college coaches, that go directly to the NFL after, I mean, Urban Meyer's had a couple of proper retirement or a year or two, but it, it, it's always interesting to see what kind of offense and defense they run in comparison to other NFL teams around the league. Yeah. I feel like even not even that specific, but just like 
in general, can he transition from a college game to the pros, you know? Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be – I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I thought when Urban Meyer retired from OSU that he was pretty much done coaching. I thought that was that was the vibe I got from him. And now he's sitting here in Jacksonville down in the, down in the nice tropics of Florida. Um, but outside of that, you know, he had Matt Patricia, Lions head coach. He was fired. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's too surprised about that. And then they, they hired Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell to replace him. Um, as, well as, Anthony, as well as like former Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, who was fired by the Chargers um, as their offensive coordinator. That's true. That's true. Um, as mentioned earlier, Dan Quinn, the Falcons head coach, was fired. Um, they picked up Arthur Smith, who, to be honest, I don't even recognize his name. Like he's not a head, he's not a coach that I recognize at all and not that I know offensive coordinators defensive coordinators assistant head coaches and all that but I didn't recognize the name he ran Um, the Titans offense oh okay that makes sense um has Houston found a coach yeah I thought I saw some they They just hired one it's um something Cabell or something I just had it here it's um, David Cully. Cully, Cully. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I saw that. And um, um, should we transition into Houston? Not yet. Not uh, yet. We'll, we'll let them there. Although I do want to bring up something about Houston regarding the coaching. Um, the, there was a huge rumor that Houston was actually going to hire Josh McCown to be their head coach and then give him another former head coach as his offensive or defensive coordinator to help him out with the head coaching duties. Wait, hold up. I thought he just signed as a, um, a backup quarterback still. Yeah, but that was before he signed. Oh, I get you. He, there was a huge rumor that he was going to be a head coach. And, like, it was on the Vegas betting odds and everything for head coach for the Texans. I mean, he was far down, but it was like – I was, like, sitting there. I was like, of all people, Josh McCown. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, Ethan, you know, you mentioned Anthony Lynn just a little bit ago, former Chargers head coach. Now the, they got Brandon Staley, another great defensive coordinator out of the NFC with the Rams. Um, you know, I'm a little bit surprised, I guess. Um, you know, a name that I think some people might be looking for when it comes to the coaching carousel this year is Eric Bieniemy, and he didn't get a head he didn't get a head coaching job, and with the offense that. With the, with the offense that this Chargers team has and the potential for it, I mean, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, that's no slouch offense. I'm a little bit surprised they went with the defensive coordinator regard, like regarding the state of their defense and how it's not bad, but it's not great, especially with, you know, an aging Melvin Ingram and a hurt uh, Derwin James. I, I was a little bit surprised they didn't go across the division and pick up uh, the enemy. And I guess another one, uh, we can talk about the Philadelphia Eagles who fired head coach Doug Peterson um, after a, a very, we'll call it bad season. Um, and they hired up, I believe his name is Nick Sereni, 
he was the former offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and kind of adding on to that, he has not indicated whether Wentz or Hurts will be starting yet. But Well, no, it's not even that he hasn't indicated if they'd be starting. It's that he actually indicated that they're not looking to move one of them, which I find very surprising. And I, I don't know the truth behind that. I can't imagine that you would let a guy like Jalen Hurts with the potential he showed sit behind Carson Wentz. But I also wouldn't imagine Carson Wentz with his contract sitting behind Jalen Hurts. Right. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, a... The Eagles almost a lose lose there because if you start yes. Wentz, you're going to get all the Wentz haters. But if you start Hurts, you're going to get all the Wentz love. Well, to be fair, the, do, does the management really care what the haters of a quarterback says? I mean, start Wentz doing that again. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, but I don't, I, there's no way that Wentz haters are going to cause the Eagles to go with Hurts. And there's no way that Wentz lovers are going to cause the Eagles to go with Wentz. Yeah, I understand that's that, but I'm just saying the Eagles just become, the Eagles have become a joke either way. I don't think they become a joke either way. I think they become a really good team if they go with the young potential of Jalen Hurts. And move on with a good package for Carson Wentz. I mean, what? They have pick six? I mean, I'm not going to go into mock draft stuff, but, you know, say they pick up one of the two, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. They got a nice line or a nice um, wide they receiver. They had Justin Jefferson, but they took Jalen Rieger. Okay, look, to be not, not to justify it, but Jalen Rieger was a pretty highly proud, like, you know, people thought he'd be good. And. To be fair, he did get hurt. I'm not going to – I would have rather had Justin Jefferson personally. But, I mean, if they could trade Wentz then for a package deal and get a decent middle linebacker or maybe a second cornerback, I mean, the Eagles could turn themselves around a little bit with a, you know, good draft. And if they packaged Wentz, I think that that's probably their smartest – so there's their smartest option. Well, and you bring up – quarterbacks I mean we have a little bit of a quarterback carousel going here too you know like we've got the all of the head coaches got fired but there are so many quarterbacks that are either going to get traded want to get traded could possibly get traded you know all I gotta say is Houston we have a problem Okay, you wanted to know that line so much, didn't you? That you've been waiting for half an I've, hour. I wanted to say that. it. I wanted to say it when we were taking Houston. But, yeah. I'll Anyway, so we'll start off, like, not the most notable, but the most publicized, I guess, is about the Sean Watson. Um, most he, notable? I, I would say it's most notable. We're talking about – I'm yeah. talking about a top five quarterback in the league. And, yeah. yes, I did just say top five quarterback. Okay. I disagree. So, so – all right, we're, we're, we're saving this for another time. Um, anyway, Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans. However, the Texans management staff has been going around saying Deshaun Watson will be a Texan next year. So yes. here's the thing. Deshaun Watson, there's three options that happen here. Deshaun Watson gets traded. Deshaun Watson doesn't get traded but still plays. Or Deshaun Watson doesn't get traded and holds out. I don't think holding out that – is there any penalty for holding out? I know there is in the NBA, like when Anthony Davis held out. Calorie-wise, there is. 
I mean, I don't know. I I'm I don't think he'll hold out. I think the management will end up giving him what he wants in a trade. Um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, speak, speaking of quarterbacks, the Lions and Matthew Stafford have essentially agreed two part ways. So I think the Lions, as of now, are looking for a possible trade for Matthew Stafford. Um, well, no, they they will. They're not going to cut him. You don't. No, no, they're not going to cut him. They're they're going to they're going to trade him somewhere. I mean, I've seen potential landing spots being um, the 49ers, and that kind of adds on to the quarterback carousel. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo's time at San Fran is slowly coming to an end. Um, I've also seen the Colts, again, with Phil Rivers retiring and Wentz looking like he might not go to the Colts, like I said he would a little bit, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah, and I guess Jacoby Brissett, they they just don't want to go with Jacoby Brissett next year. Well, I mean, that even brings me into more quarterback carousel. There's rumors that they're looking to bring Andrew Luck back out of retirement, and I don't know how how real those rumors are, but they come from the management of the Colts. I mean, do we do we really think we can see Andrew Luck back at 31, you know, coming out of retirement? That Colts team is, in my opinion, a contender. Yeah. If they get, like, one more piece – possibly wide receiver you know maybe add in a dn because i can't think of their dns off the top of my head but i mean that's a good team that you know luck could come back next year they're definitely going to be in the um conversation for title race if they can get a quarterback i think yeah i think i don't think jacoby um i guess another rumor thing um saints quarterback Mm -hmm. breeze um has not stated that he will retire but rumors are pointing that he's likely to retire so well, you also want to, i mean it you would think he would but who knows at this point another yeah, veteran quarter they, they give that team to Jameis winston or not or do the yeah. same they, they think- already said they would yeah i think i think they have to and i think Part of the reason why I think it is not only did, you know, there's that whole rumor about him saying that's his, you know, that's that he doesn't know, but it was reported that he was going to retire anyway. But the fact that they extended Jameis Winston kind of shows me that they're moving on from Breeze because you don't pay two quarterbacks good money. You don't do it. I mean, it kills your salary cap, especially when you're 103 million below the, or above the cap like the Saints are. Yeah, they're, they're in the cap. They're screwed in cap, but yeah. Um, any other quarterback? Yeah. Um, you know the rumor. The rumor is uh, Aaron Rodgers does look oh. to be coming back, but I, I've heard some things that there might be a little bit of a Brett Favre type situation coming in the next year, where maybe Rodgers thinks he's a little more secure than he actually is. You know, Jordan Love is there. I'm. I, I'm not saying he's gonna you know, come out and be what Aaron Rodgers was this year with his MVP-like season. But who knows? I mean, Rodgers could be on his way out as a Packer. You know, they did it to Brett Favre before, and they can do it again. Mm -hmm. And then the other quarterback thing, I guess, you know, going back to uh, Matthew Stafford, another possible landing spot that I've seen is actually the LA Rams because the Rams came out and said that they are not committed to Jared Goff in 2021. They said that pretty much it is a battle between him and 
one of my favorite backup quarterbacks of all time because of his performance against my Cardinals, John Wolford. Um, you know, I, I usually you don't, don't see guys that come in and play one game get a battle for the starting quarterback spot, but they're going to give it to Wolford next season. And, you know, if they can move on from Goff and Wolford's not the I, answer, maybe you I, bring in Stafford. I could say something about not only getting one game and having a positional battle because it's happened before. Where? Uh, the University of Alabama. Ethan, that doesn't count. That's college. No, it happened. No, but I'm talking about in the pros. You don't, you don't have positional battles between your big-time quarterback that you're paying money and a guy that started one NFL game, but well, two now. That's fair. Um, so is that it? One last thing. We're going to stray away from quarterbacks, but going back to rumors, uh, two teams we've already talked about with potential rumors. The Eagles and the Colts. No, I'm not talking about Carson Wentz. We already went over that. But Zach Ertz, it looks like there's a possibility that the Colts could be trading for Zach Ertz. Obviously, he's kind of fallen out of, uh, fallen out with Philadelphia, with Dallas Goddard. You know, he kind of taken over the reins there in Philly. But Ertz on the Colts just makes them even more scarier than we already said they were. And they're already pretty scary. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I think it's time to move on to the NFL because we've been on the NFL for 40 minutes now. Um, so let's move on to college football. Um, obviously, some of the biggest news, and I'm happy to report this, is we haven't reported who won the national championship yet. And the Alabama Crimson Tide indeed won the national championship, beat Ohio State by a score of 52-24. to 24. Uh, It feels good to say. That's all you got? Oh, we, we won. I'll let the silence do the talking. Yeah. So, outside of that, staying with Alabama, obviously you had uh, offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian take the uh, Texas job that we mentioned a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, Coach Flood also joined him there at Texas from Alabama. And then, again, with Alabama, Nick Saban wins the Bear Bryant Award, which, surprisingly to me, is his first with Alabama. I mean – as historic as Alabama has been over the past couple of years, I'm, I mean, not even past couple of years, the past years and years, I'm a little surprised that he's never won a Bear Bryant. I mean, not that I keep up with who wins Bear Bryant awards, but the fact that Nick Saban, arguably the greatest college coach of this era, and I don't think there's debate, really, doesn't win a Bear Bryant with his prize possession Crimson Tide up until now. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll kind of go back into the coaching carousel a little bit here for college football. The biggest thing I want to point out is Jim Harbaugh. I think it's Jim. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. After like a struggling season at Michigan, he's still got a five-year extension or whatever it is. To- I don't I want to say it was – wasn't it six? I think it was. It was, it was no, no, no. Wait, what? It's through 2026. That's what it is. It is a five-year extension through 2026. I, I'm seriously do not understand that at all. Is that I mean, anyone it, here? It is Jim Harbaugh. I mean, yeah. yes, he had a bad season this year, but 
to be fair to him, outside of Quiddy Pay, who did he have on that team? But that's 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 essentially his fault again with recruiting. I mean, yeah, but I think I, I think a lot of Michigan fans were upset purely because John Jim Harbaugh in the time Michigan State has not beaten their biggest rival, Ohio State, yet. Ethan, you did not just call Ohio State Michigan's biggest rival. At this point, they are. Michigan no, State is a joke in football. <laughs> it's their big, Michigan State is still Michigan's biggest rival simply because of in-state. I think it's Ohio State. The games, in terms, in terms of football, it's Ohio State. Basketball, Michigan no, State, Michigan sure. I but, would agree with that. But in terms in of term, football, it's Ohio State. In terms of every sport, it is Michigan State. The games might not be as good, but Michigan State is Michigan's biggest rival in all sports because it is in-state rivalry. I would like you to put a poll out for that. And Ethan, Ethan, who is Alabama's biggest rival? Georgia. Auburn. It or it honestly could be Clemson at this point too. But Auburn. It is Auburn. The answer is War Eagle. There you go. Well, because Auburn actually is good. Michigan State is not good at all. Dude, we haven't been good for like three years, and you're just going to change the rivalry? We were in the playoffs five years ago. What happened in those playoffs? You lost Alabama. Okay, um, besides the point. Yes, besides the point. My point is that that, that rivalry will never change. It'll be Michigan State and Michigan, and I stay true to that, even if we lose the next five matchups. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, um, another head coach, maybe. Well, I guess maybe I'll, I'll go to this. Um, a lot of things have been happening at the University of Tennessee. Um, let's just start off by saying, Saying they they kind of paid recruits in McDonald with money in McDonald's bags or something like that. Okay, look, that sounds crazy, but I guarantee you stuff like that happens way more than we yeah, realize. It's, I mean, it's like the first time it's been publicized. No, it's not. We're talking Sean Miller. We're talking Coach Wade at LSU. We're talking James Wiseman in Memphis. It's not. I don't. I understand the fact that it's getting publicized now. It's getting a lot of heat. But I truly think the only reason that it's getting as much heat as it is is because it was in McDonald's bags. I don't think it has to do with how bad it was. I think it has to do with how bad it was conducted. I mean, James Wiseman's family was given a house by Memphis to come to Memphis. And people don't talk about that anymore because he's in the NBA. Mm -hmm. I really don't think this Tennessee thing is as big as people think it, it is as big as people think it is because I think they're stressing on the fact that it was McDonald's bags. Well, anyway, Tennessee fired their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, um, after a couple of bad years and they signed, I don't know what his first name is, a former UCF coach, something Hubel. Um, um, and hopefully looking to capture a little bit of that UCF magic that he brought to um, UCF. Hate to break it to Ethan, but like every single recruit that they've gotten in the last two years has transferred. They're running back to Oklahoma. Henry, I don't even know how to say his name because there's so many apostrophes in it. It's T apostrophe O T O apostrophe T O. 
Yes, you heard me right. He's he's entered the transfer portal. Um, I'll get into transfer portal a little bit uh, later. I think it's you know there's some interesting transfers, so I won't go into that too in depth. Tennessee, but I think that's what's going to hurt Tennessee the most is the fact that they just lost all these recruits, and they were good recruits. I yeah. mean, like that the linebacker was like 43 in the country. I mean, I think that's really what's going to hurt them. I don't think it'll be like the you know missing out on bowl game punishments or anything that's going to hurt them that people are so worried about. I think it's the recruiting aspect of this past two years. Yeah. Um, then I guess a little really side note about Notre Dame real quick. Um, they're going back to the independent. They are not going to stay in the ACC. So next year, Notre Dame will be back in what they've normally done is the independent. I'm a little um, sad about that, to be honest. I know. I, I like Notre Dame and the ACC. A little competition for Clemson there. Well, okay. I wouldn't say a little competition for Clemson there. Are you forgetting about UNC and Miami? I mean, those two programs have emerged over yeah, the past two years. Them. I wouldn't say. I mean, yeah, but it's not like they're not competition. Like, I, I would. But Notre Dame was the only team to actually beat Clemson, like, the past, like, three years, not named Alabama. Well, yeah, Ethan, LSU. Oh, that's true. UNC and Miami are competition to Clemson in the same way that Michigan State is to Michigan. That's all I'm going to say. I wouldn't say that. It's like Arkansas versus Alabama. No, that's a little little too much. That actually might be closer to Michigan State. I think Miami and UNC might be a little bit too high, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, Okay. Any Moving other on. any other notable coach firings, Jr. that we that we haven't mentioned yet? That's pretty much it. Um, okay, and then I know you said you want to move on to the transfer portal. There's some interesting transfers that you want to look at. Yeah, um, you know some of the ones we're talking about. Uh, Tennessee, I know quarterback Jared Guarat. I don't even know how to say his name. Guartano, maybe. Um, he's a former. I want to say. Four-star? Yeah, four-star. He's transferring out of Tennessee to go play at Washington State. Um, Mackenzie Milton, who is famous for leading UCF to, you know, all those big wins in their undefeated season. You know, he broke his leg last year and it was a pretty bad break. And he's, I don't believe he's committed yet, but it's looking like Florida State could be where he ends up staying in the state of Florida. Um West Virginia quarterback, Austin Kendall, he is a backup, but he's looking to transfer out of West Virginia. Tate Martell, one of my favorite college high school players of all time, just because of his great success he had back at Bishop Gorman, transferring out of Miami, his second transfer. Looking right now like UNLV is where he's going to land, but um, no no, you know, commitment or anything. Um. Ryan Holinsky, former four-star out of uh, South Carolina University, transferring to Northwestern. So they get Peyton Ramsey, former transfer quarterback last year, and now they pick up another transfer quarterback this year. Um, honestly, I don't even know this guy's name, but he's he was sitting behind Sam Ellinger, Jaquindon Jackson, um, looking like he's going to Utah to go play quarterback. A lot of these guys that are transferring are the quarterbacks. Um you know, Dylan McCaffrey transferring out of Michigan. Um, Nikosi Perry, I'm a little bit confused by this. Todd, is he staying at Miami? I guess. Are you, are you seeing that? 
I am seeing that. I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, we have De'Ara King anyway, so it really doesn't matter a whole lot. But I, I'm just confused by that because it says that he entered the transfer portal and then transferred to Miami. Yeah. That doesn't make too much sense to me, but I'm not going to complain. Um, Luke McCaffrey, our boy Heath, one of his boys from Nebraska, looking to transfer out. Um, again, no real decision there. Um, you know, there's some smaller names there. I know, again, guys like the Tennessee guys, Wanya Morris, offensive tackle, he's going to transfer to uh, Oklahoma along with the running back. Um Michigan State quarterback Rocky Lombardi looking to transfer to Northern Illinois. Honestly, it'll probably suit him better, so I'm not complaining. Will Levis, Penn State quarterback, announced, announced that he was in the transfer portal um, out of Penn State. Obviously, he's been sitting behind, um, what's his name, Sean Clifford. Uh Todd, thank you for that uh, quick message there. Dwan Mathis, um, also transferring from Georgia to Temple. I mean, we saw the Georgia the Georgia quarterback situation last couple, you know, months of the college season. It was a little hectic to say the least. Outside of that, honestly, don't know if there's any big. Oh, Charlie Brewer, actually. You guys remember when Baylor was good like two years ago? Mm-hmm. That was their quarterback. He's now transferring to Utah and is eligible immediately. Um, a little interesting there that he was, you know, pretty good with Utah or Baylor. Now he's transferring out of the program. One, one last transfer that I want to bring up, and this one's not big scale, but it's a guy that we all, I think, personally know. Our boy Joseph Bruno transferring out of Penn State. Really? Yeah. Um, that, there's obviously, um, for those of you who don't know, Joseph Bruno went to our high school for a couple of years before going to um, somewhere in Maryland. Can't quite remember where it was, but he he, he was a preferred walk on a Penn State. Germantown. Yeah, Germantown or whatever. And Germantown. He preferred, yeah, Germantown. He preferred yeah. walk on a Penn State um, as a freshman. Didn't really get a whole lot of playing time. Played in the last game. Looked decent, actually. But I think the problem with Penn State is, like, there's a lot of freshman running backs out there, so he might – he's decided he guess he's going to transfer. No real indication of where he's going yet. But Honestly, though, I would say he was a little bit better than decent. I mean, the kid had four carries for 42 yards. When's the last time Yeah, yeah the, only reason, the only reason I say decent is because we didn't really see much of him. I right. mean, but when's the last time that you see a guy averaging 10 yards per carry and it's it not just – four carries, carries, though. Four, four carries. carries. It's not that – I don't think it's as statistically significant as we would need it to be in order to make an accurate judgment. You know, you can run a, a string of 10-plus yard plays one game and then the next game have, like, 20 carries for 15 yards, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, um, we mentioned... Ethan, go ahead. Oh, I thought I was saying we ready to move on. To – Outside of transfer portal or to NBA? What's outside of transfer portal? I don't see anything. I don't really see anything here. Well, you obviously weren't reading. I am looking. 
Um, so we mentioned that Dwan Mathis was transferring out of Georgia as a quarterback to Temple. Wow. Georgia just managed to steal. I want to say he's a five-star quarterback. He could be a four-star. Gunner Stockton, he was like crystal ball, I think, to Auburn. And then – No, no, no. He, he, he committed to South Carolina, then decommitted. Huh? Yeah. No, I'm talking about within the last couple weeks, he was he was crystal ball to – um, Auburn and like within two days he switched from Auburn to Georgia and then committed like it like he like pretty much yeah. took like uh, what's his Georgia thank you Georgia pretty much took him right out from Auburn which yeah no but he decommit he did decommit from South Carolina I'm not like no, I, I don't think you're going crazy. No, I found it on 24-7 sports. Yeah. But, yeah, that, is there that, you go. That's is all that. I got now. Okay, so moving on, I guess we'll leave football. We were on football for an hour. Apologies. Um, moving on to basketball, NBA. Um, I guess where do, we, where do you want to start here? Um, I'm going to go with the not-so- huge news i'm gonna stick with um well first off Lamelo ball as much as i dislike him what a rookie year he is having i mean he's playing phenomenal he just won the game last night for the charlotte hornets by throwing the ball off of demontis sabonis's back um and he became the youngest player ever to record a triple double i mean Lamelo might have a future here in the nba like i was hoping he wouldn't but I have heard rumors from LeVar Ball himself that he does not like the fact that LaMelo is being played as a role player rather than a superstar. And that LaMelo... No, it's, not a role, it's not a role player. He's essentially more of a sixth man. Well, that's a role player to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. if you're not, like, he wants his kid to be starting. And, well, I mean, they're paying well, yeah, but our ball, of course, he does. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, any, any parent wants their kid to be yeah. starting in the NBA, but like, LeVar Ball is already talking trade requests. Like that's so stupid. I he's a rook, okay? Like give him a year. It's not like it's not like the Hornets have that strong of guards anyway. So it should be easy for him to get a starting job, especially if he were to like win rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, I I think Although it pains me to say it, he probably will have the starting job as soon as they can move on from Terry Rozier because it doesn't make sense to – I mean, they might even give it before moving on from Terry Rozier, but with as big of a contract as Rozier signed with the Hornets. Make him a six-man. I think that suits him. I hey, agree. Be the future Jordan Clarkson. Ethan, shut up. No, just stop talking. Just stop talking. I mean, come on now. Okay. This is not the Utah Jazz show. So we're going to move on to the Philadelphia 76ers. And this is kind of old news, but, you know, we've had some COVID problems the last couple of weeks with the NBA, you know, games getting postponed. A lot of it stemmed from not Steph, but Seth Curry. He actually tested positive. Then they played the Wizards and then the Wizards played a bunch of guys and, 
a bunch of contact tracing and it really screwed up the whole NBA. But in that time period, the Sixers went out and played with seven guys and Tyrese Maxey, the rookie out of Kentucky, dropped like 36 points. Yeah. And if you want to keep on with rookies out of Kentucky, look no further than the New York Knicks. Emmanuel quickly has been coming off the bench, casually dropping 20 plus, 30 plus points a game. You know, the only one I really don't see too much out of is Ashton Hagens, and he's on the Timberwolves. So, you know, take it. They're struggling this year, the Timberwolves are. I mean, we're, we could be looking at Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, um, Jared Culver, who was on that Texas Tech team. Josh Akogi, Carl Anthony Towns, and whoever the Timberwolves pick in the top three of next year's draft. I mean, that could be a little bit crazy there. Um, but yeah, I think I just, you know, I wanted to point out the fact that we're going back to games being played with seven guys, eight guys on the court. I mean, that's unheard of unless you're in really bad foul trouble. Like, usually you have at least a full bench of subs that can play, if not 12 guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Ethan, I, I, I'm going to let you do this, but I want to – I feel like you got a lot to say on this, so I'm, I'm going to let you go in. But, you know, we got we got some huge trades, um, you know, involving the Rockets, the Pacers, the Nets, the Cavaliers, you know, a bunch of big tra- – you know. Now, it was all one package. There was – there actually is two trades that happened with the Rockets and Cavaliers involved in them. But I'll let you go with the big one because I know you look like you got a lot to say. All right. So let's start off. Um, James Harden, as we all know, he since the start of the year, he hasn't really been happy as a Houston Rocket. He's kind of been giving the sense that he's been wanting out and he got his wish. And he goes and forms a big three in Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD. The Nets, they had to give up a lot, including like some of the notable guys, including like Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. Now, I do want to point out that not all of them, you know, as we mentioned, it's a four-team trade. So, not all of those guys are on the Rockets now. Like, Jared Allen, he's on the Cavs, right? Jared Allen's on the Cavs. Karis Avert's on the Pacers um, after they kind of traded him with Victor Oladipo, who is now a Rocket. Um, speaking of Karis Avert, real quick, um, they, they had a medical report and found that he had a mass, some kind of cancer on his kidney. Um, luckily, they were able to get that removed. Uh, he just out indefinitely, but good to find out that hopefully his career wasn't ruined by this. Um, yeah, so now there's a big three in Brooklyn. The Rockets have Oladipo, um, and I think a couple, maybe a first round pick or two. The Pacers got Karis LeVert. The Cavs got Jared Allen. Wait, wait, did you say that the Rockets have a first-round pick or two? Yeah, didn't the they Nets have four. Yeah, okay, four. They had four and four swap picks. I mean, like, they have the best pick from the Nets for the next eight years. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Kevin Porter had a little outburst in the Cavs locker room. We'll leave it at that. Um so well, that's he, also after he was arrested on gun charges earlier this yeah, so he, year. He, he was essentially traded to the Rockets. And then, am I missing anything? Well, but he got – oh, but do you, what was the trade for him? Like, what, what did they give up? I, I don't really know. 
I don't think it was much. No, it wasn't because of his like basically like outside the court, outside the court issues. Off the yeah, court. it was a it was a future protected second round pick. Yeah, that ain't no. Fun. No, that that's next to nothing. That's like here's a bag of chips. Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, you can find. That's basically, that's basically saying I want this player out. I'm willing to basically pay you to get this player out. I'm, I'm not going to knock on second-round picks. There are some pretty nice second-round yeah, picks that have come out. Future protected second-round pick. Yeah, that's about as low as you can go. Unless yeah. you're, like, unless you're trading a guy that, you know, is, like, even worse than a second-round pick and should have went undrafted. Yeah. Um, Outside of that, sticking with the idea of trades but not official, um, the leading scorer in the NBA, and it's not even close. I think it's by what five and a half points at this point over Kevin Durant. Bradley Beal is averaging thirty-five and a half points, and they're still losing. And the Wizards have three wins. He's averaging the number in front. The first number of the amount of points he's averaging is the same amount of of wins that the Wizards have. Yeah, like thirty-three. They have three wins. That's. Quite honestly, as a Wizards fan, absolutely depressing. And I think it's time that we trade Bradley Beal for a nice package for the future because let me tell you, we're not winning right now. Russ rusted his, you know, first couple months and I was happy with it, but we have nothing. I mean, we got nothing for anybody and it's really sad, but it's time to let Brad go to the contender, win himself a couple rings. You know, we get some future Future stuff, I mean, I would say personally that the Rockets won the Nets trade, and I would like to see, obviously, you know, not maybe maybe not four first-round picks and all that, but I would like to see a trade like that where I think we win via first-round picks that we can draft some good players with. I mean, on top of our first-round picks that we already have that are going to be low because, well, we'll be pretty high up there in the lottery. <laughs> So, question then: Where does Beal go? Who trades for him? I I've seen as as our kind of like rumor reporter, I'll say. I don't know if I'm gonna call myself that. Anyway, um, I've seen a lot of rumors actually to the Lakers for Bradley Beal. Um, kind of forming another essentially big three. And I know we talked about this yesterday, but it is kind of like a big three then out there. I know. I know, if, especially for the Lakers, they have a lot of key good pieces. So you essentially more like a big 10. But like I'm saying in terms of super, superstars, big three. Did you really just quote me? Yep. Yeah. You really just quoted me. Okay. Um, I actually know, obviously, this is prior to the, the Nets trading for James Harden. There was rumors that Bradley Beal could be that shooting guard heading over to Brooklyn. You know, obviously that's not going to happen now. And if it does, where in the world did the Nets get the draft capital or the trade capital before that? But, you know, I see it being an L.A. team. Um, Honestly, nothing really pops up in my mind outside of an L.A. team that has enough draft or why do I keep saying draft trade capital to take them? Unless you're talking like, I mean, so the, the thing I, I have mean, the, here is the Thunder might have enough first round picks, but that's not a contender. 
Yeah, that's the thing. They're not going to trade Bradley Beal to somebody that sucks. The whole point of getting him out of Washington would be to get him to a team that's going to win. I, I mean, would disagree it, with that. The whole why? point of getting him out of Washington is to get him out of Washington. That's exactly. They don't care where he goes. No, the way the front office doesn't care where he goes. And well, I, I don't know. Bradley Beal on his contract has the decision to say, "Yeah, I want to be traded here." if they accept the trade or he can decline it. Well, I, I get that. I'm just saying I don't from a from a management standpoint and from a Bradley Beal standpoint and from a just general NBA standpoint, if you're gonna trade him to the Detroit Pistons, he's not gonna want to go there and you're wasting his career at Detroit just like you were at Washington. So to me, maybe he, maybe it's not he has to go to a contender, but I think the most likely spot for him to go is a contending team. Sure. I mean, I to me, this, yes. To, to me, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a kid in high school that's averaging 35 points per game. And so they transfer them to a, uh, you know, like an academy school like Brewster or like IMG so that they're not, so they're actually playing against good competition. Maybe not, 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 not that he's not playing against good competition, but you know, you probably, if he's on a contender, you'd probably see that scoring go down to maybe 20 points a game, but he's winning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, is that it in terms of NBA stuff? That's what I've got. Do we want to give a little update on, like, records or anything, or are we just going to leave it? We're going to leave it. Okay. Um, moving on to college basketball, I guess, then. Um, Sharif Cooper made his long, I guess, expected debut at Auburn, and he is certainly not disappointed. He's averaging over, I believe, 20 points a game. and I'd he's, say he's, he's – I mean, he's turned around Auburn's program this year. They weren't bad without him, but now that they have him, I mean, they just took down Missouri a couple of days ago. Missouri's a top 15 team at the time. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of old news, but Texas Tech um, with Mac McClung actually beat Texas, who was higher ranked at the time by buzzer beater. And then – I don't know if this is on here, but West Virginia kind of – West Virginia beat Mac McClung's Texas Tech team on a buzzer beater as well, essentially. So, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? It wasn't a buzzer beater. It was like a game winner. It's pretty much a buzzer beater. Yeah. I mean, I guess my point with that stuff pretty much is just the fact that, you know, the Big 12 has been having some good games recently, I guess. I mean, West Virginia, Texas Tech was good. Texas, Texas Tech was good. And, yeah, you got these, like, three top 15 teams, and, yeah, they're losing, but they're good games against good teams. And don't sleep on the Big 12 this year. I'm telling you, that Big 12 division is – their conference, Big 12 and Big 10 are really doing well this year. And, actually, the SEC's not terrible either. Yeah. I mean, Alabama's definitely shocked a lot of people by being in the top 10 somehow. Are you kidding me? We moved on from football, and you still found a way to bring up Alabama. Well, they're top 10. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong, but whatever. Um, you want to talk about the Big Ten. Michigan suffered its first loss to the hands of Minnesota, and it was not just a you know, two-point loss. This is a blowout. I mean, Minnesota's a good team, but they've been off and on. And I think that's kind of the story of the Big Ten this year. 
I don't think there's any, I mean, it pains me to say this, but outside of Michigan, I don't think there's a clear cut second in the big 10. You know, I would have said Iowa at the beginning of the season being not just the two, but the one, but you know, Iowa has four losses. Illinois has five losses. Todd, your Wisconsin Badgers are up there. Again, it pains me to say Ohio State is playing very well this year. I mean, there are a bunch of teams in the Big Ten right around four or five losses that are, you know, you can win any game you want. Uh, you know, you were talking about winning any game you want. Sorry, Titus. Sorry, uh, our boy A.J. Mahoney. But Ohio State. I thought they were doing all right. And then Penn State went and almost beat them by four. Like they were, they lost by four to Penn State. When I say any team in the Big Ten can win a game at any given time, this year's Penn State team, that really doesn't apply to it that much. But I mean, they almost did it. You know, I have to, I have to bring that up. Um, but yeah, uh, sticking with uh, college men's hoops because there is some uh, women's hoops as well. For the first time since 1961, the University of North Carolina, the University of Duke, and the University of Kentucky all are unranked. I mean, we're talking what? What is that? That's 50 years, right? Um, 60. 60, yeah. Wow, I can't do math. 60 years? I mean, come on. That like that's not that's probably never I, I don't think it'll ever happen again. I mean there there is very, very few times that those three blue blooded teams are for lack of better words, down bad. I, I'm sorry, I had to use it, but you know, you want to talk about another uh, blue blood team that's struggling? I mean, yes, they picked up a win yesterday, no, two days ago, Kansas, but for the first time since like 2012, Kansas lost three games in a now, row. Yeah, in a row. That's my bad. In a row. I almost left that out. That's a good catch. But I mean, blue bloods aren't doing what they normally do, you know. Listen, they, listen, listen, listen. No, I not have listen. a very strong opinion about this. What? Of course you do. There is a reason that blue bloods are struggling. What? And you know why they're all well, fresh i don't actually i i i agree with that but i don't because duke has some role players that are not freshmen you also have a man named jalen johnson who was arguably, yeah but, he was was yeah, but jalen johnson is also one of those freshmen that you expect to come in and play i mean how about duke's team when it was all freshmen with Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, they yeah, went. They had play. they had summer. They had the preseason. All, all these freshman teams didn't get any summer training at all. I mean, they didn't get any preseason games. All these like Michigan State, for example, a lot of upperclassmen, so they already know what to do and how to do it. Ethan, I do not respect the fact that you just brought that up, but, but, I I I I mean. Especially when I'm talking about Jalen Johnson. I mean, you have Matthew Hurt. You have, what, Javon Goldwater? No. Yes. Jordan Goldwater. That's – never mind. I'm getting confused with Delorier, but he's in the NBA now or the G League or something. But my point being is 
when I bring up Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson's a guy you expect to make an immediate impact in your college program, regardless of the situation. I mean, he is, that's how good, that's how good people thought he was, you know, Stewart and Roach and all those guys, you know, break field. And, you know, even with Kentucky with, uh, you know, BJ Boston and who else is on that team? Terrence Frank, uh, Dacian Nix. Um, you go to you UNC. Huh? Ask you something or whatever. Last oh, no, no, my bad. Devin asked you. Dacian Nix is the other point guard that's on the NBA G League team. Um, and what's it? Uh, UNC with guys like Darren Sharp, Walker Kessler, um, Caleb Love, all those freshman guys. I mean, yeah, I get it. But Jalen Johnson is a different breed. Jalen Johnson was – that's how good he is. And I, I'm a little disappointed that they haven't been able to win. Um, are they going to get in the tournament, Ethan? Yes. You think they will? They're starting to find their stride. Actually, today's a huge, huge day for me. Um, we're going up against Clemson. Obviously, Clemson's been struggling. We're still a 9-4 and four team. If we, we win this game today, it, it shows me we have a chance. If we lose this game today, we go to 6-6, six and six, and I think we're out. If we win this game, I think we have a chance. Why is Clemson such a big deciding factor? I mean, they did just beat Louisville, so I wouldn't consider them. Te- I wouldn't consider them struggling. I mean, the last couple of games they were down like forty to Florida State at one point. I mean, yeah, but Florida State's a good team. Yeah, but yeah, so if Cle- if we can beat a good team, if this would be like the first time we beat an actually good team, then. Yeah, I guess I see that. I mean, Georgia Tech's all right. They're not. No, they're not. They were, they were seven and four at the time. Ethan, you understand that's almost that's like a loss and a half away from five hundred. Yeah. One, Ethan, that's one loss away from what you guys are. We're we're no. no. You're six and five. Yeah, seven and four. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know I'm right. I wouldn't have said something if I was wrong. Come on, Ethan. Um, All right, we'll we'll get away from the blue blood struggling. Um, sad news out of Temple. Uh, Coach Cheney, who's you know Temple legend there, has passed away. I want to say what was it yesterday or was it two days ago? Yesterday. Two days ago. Yesterday. Wait, I just got two different answers. I got yesterday. It was reported yesterday, but I think it was a. a, Oh, that might be it. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, so, you know, sad to hear that Temple legend there. Um, you know, anything you guys want to say on the matter? I mean, he, I mean, he had like 700 wins in his career, which is no joke, obviously. Um, so, yeah, led a good career um, at Temple, especially at Temple. So, sad to see him go. Yeah. Um, Anything else in college basketball? Yes. Ethan, it's all right there on the list. But I don't know, like, how relevant this is right now. Devon Daniels was pronounced out for the season yesterday. Oh, NC State's okay. leading scorer with a torn ACL. Um, sticking with injury. Now, this one is old, but James Booknight, who is a projected lottery pick uh, out of UConn, he underwent elbow surgery, and I believe he's out indefinitely. I do not think it's out for the season. That's a big blow for the UConn team, possibly even his draft stock. Um, but, yeah, 
moving on to women's hoops, like I said, you know, there's some news out of women's hoops and it's a little bit similar to the men's hoops on the side that the big teams are not struggling this year, but this week was a bad week for women's basketball top tier teams. You know, earlier in the week, Stanford had, uh, Stanford got upset. They were the number one team at the time. And then NC State, who was the number two team, they were upset on the same day that Arkansas upset UConn. So I don't no, believe they there were any. Yeah, they were. NC State is 11 and 0. Yeah, they just lost to Virginia Tech on Thursday, though. No, I'm saying I just looked at the rankings. Hold up. Yeah, the rankings are old I because you. they come out on Monday. Yeah, UConn yeah, lost yeah. by three to Arkansas, and Virginia Tech beat NC State by 12 in overtime. So, you know, the top three all fell within the same week for women's college basketball, which is, you know, I guess you could say, yeah, surprising. Um, uh, it might not have been the same week. It must have been last week that Stanford lost. That's my bad, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's all I've got for college basketball, though. We, uh, Ethan? No, I was going to say, we're moving on to the NHL. And honestly, JR, I would just say just run through this because me and Todd probably are not going to understand half the things you're saying. So I thought you were about to take my thunder and try again, but you screwed up so bad with John Marino's name last week or last time that I'm going to just, it's me. Oh, it's me. Run through Roy it. Crawford, uh, Blackhawks legend goalkeeper won. I want to say he was there for at least two, maybe three of their Stanley Cups in the past 10 years. Um, he was, I want to say he was traded or he was signed somewhere and then he had a condition or he had personal matters that came up. And so he didn't start the season. And then after a couple games, um, he retired. Um, so, you know, great career. Obviously, a couple cups there. He helped that the Chicago team. And I'm actually realizing as I say this now, in our podcast world, the NHL hasn't started yet. So yeah. the NHL is on. Um, it, the season has started, but I'll keep going into the, the news. Uh, Matthew Barzell, uh, superstar in the New York Islanders, I would say is one of the more underrated players in the whole entire NHL. He signed a contract extension for three years, $21 million. Uh, Sammy Vatanen, not not huge, but he's a name that's, you know, he's out there. Signed a, a new deal with the Devils. Um, Marcus Foligno, some, you know, again, you got to be an NHL fan to actually know his name, but he just signed a three-year deal with the Wild and actually scored an overtime winner not too long ago. Um, speaking of the Wild rookie, 23-year-old rookie, Krokar Aprizov, scored his first goal in his career along with um, uh, Alex Lafreniere just two nights ago. Todd from your Rangers scored his first career goal um, in overtime to win the game 3-2. Also, you know, again, a a number of firsts here when it comes to goal. P.S. Suter, who was a name that I did not even know until I saw this, uh, until I saw this. He actually scored his first NHL goal and then proceeded to score two more and score his first NHL hat trick after scoring his first NHL goal, which is kind of crazy. Um, Again, some more first Taylor Hall made his debut in Buffalo. He was pretty much the premier free agent last year. 
and he scored in his debut with Buffalo. Nolan Patrick scores for the first time in two years. He's a very high, highly rated prospect in the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Um, so, you know, he scored for the first time since, what, 2019, I'd say. And then sticking with the Flyers, Oscar Lindbaum, who some even outside of the hockey realm might know his name because he actually was diagnosed with cancer and sat out part of last season. He actually scored against our Pittsburgh Penguins, Ethan. Uh, so as much as that hurts, good to see that he's doing all right. Good to see that he's back in the pads and skates and good to see that he's putting in goals because you can never root against a guy like that. Yep. Um, Two more things in the NHL. Uh, one of them, sticking with the Penguins, as I just mentioned, GM Jim Rutherford has pretty much, like, surprisingly, I guess, in the middle of the season resigned. As a Penguins fan, I'm pretty happy because the Penguins have absolutely no future because of him. You know, when Crosby, Malkin, and Latang leave, you got Jake Gensel, and that's about it. Not even first-round picks. You know, you got guys like Sampline and Pierre Oliver Joseph, I want to say is his name, playing for the Wilkes-Barre Scram Penguins, but you have no prospects. There's no future at all. And a lot of that is on Jim Rutherford. A lot of Pittsburgh fans are a little displeased with him. And I don't want I'd to say, say I'm, I'd say a little more than a little displeased. Well, I would, the only reason I say he, they're a little displeased is because he did bring them three Stanley Cups. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're not happy with what's going on. And then, uh, uh, Probably the biggest news, I would say, is the blockbuster trade between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Winnipeg Jets. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is, he had a pretty good season last year and is, uh, you know, he's kind of emerged onto the scene in the NHL. He was pretty upset with the Columbus Blue Jackets organization and they actually benched him after three minutes of ice time in one of their games. He demanded a trade a couple, you know, weeks ago and was officially traded this past week to the Winnipeg Jets for, I would say, superstar Patrick Laine. I mean, I'd put him in my top 25 players in the NHL right now. And Jack Roslevic. I'm pretty sure the Blue Jackets also gave up a second-round pick, maybe a fourth. I can't remember which one. But in my opinion, the Blue Jackets, I mean, they won. they won that deal, but they didn't. Because I don't think that Patrick Laine puts them – in a contending or even playoff spot, to be honest. But Patrick Laine for Pierre-Luc Dubois, in my opinion, whoever gets Laine is the one that wins. Mm -hmm. But that's what I got for NHL. I, uh, we want to go to MLB so I don't have to talk about UFC back-to-back -back with NHL. Sure. I mean, actually, there, there's actually a surprise that we actually have a decent amount of stuff for MLB these days. Well, that's because, you know, the season starts here in a couple months. I mean, we're getting closer some trades, free agency stuff. Well, actually, a big one has happened last night, but I, I mean, just I'll just throw that out real quick. So I guess nothing like no other really key pieces have been like confirmed yet. But as of now, Nolan Arenado, uh, third baseman for the Colorado Rockies, is gonna be I guess pending approval um, by the MLB Players Union going to the St. Louis Cardinals. We don't really know what other pieces are really involved here. This is a very developing story, but um, as soon as it comes, we'll get that out to you. Um, the Nationals, JR, your Nationals acquire um, World C Series winner Klaus Schwarber. What do you think about that? Well, I'm going I'm to undercut your news, and I'm going to say it's not just Kyle Schwarber. We also picked up John Lester, the pitcher. 
I think we're making a, I think we're making some good decisions. I mean, obviously earlier this, it might've been late 2020 actually, but you know, we traded for Josh Bell. So we got ourselves a first baseman. Schwarber was good with the Cubs back when they won that world series. Um, you know, Lester's a little old there, but he's a pitcher that I've known the name of since I was little and collected baseball cards, like every little kid. Uh, I'm happy with it. I'm curious to see what happens during the season though, because you know, we are still going through COVID. We are still, you know, have an interesting MLB season, especially last year with the 60 game season, you know, opposed to what the 100 and however many game season they normally play. But I like it. I, I, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Um, and I guess moving on to more some sad news, a couple of deaths. Fortunately, half of the MLB, including former Dodgers manager Tommy Sorta, as well as former player Hank Aaron, um, who was amazing in terms of home runs. So, unfortunate we're losing um, two greats in our game of MLB. So, um, moving on. Uh, oh, um, I don't know. Is it not something Springer? Springer to the Blue Jays? George. George Springer. George Springer, um, all-star. Going to the Blue Jays. That was the most awkward way that you could have announced that ever. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know what his first name was. Apologies, Mr. Springer. Um, you could have at least said Mr. Springer. That at least would have sounded yeah, a little bit better. Okay. okay. Um, then Pedro Baez is going to the Astros on a two-year deal. Um, there's rumors about Corey Kluber, maybe pitcher Corey Kluber going to maybe the Yankees. So we'll see how that goes. It's more than rumors. But yeah, didn't, didn't but that actually yes. Yeah. I always I always call everything rumors until it's officially confirmed. Hold on, hold on here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually is a Yankee. Yeah, he is. The why okay. you who put a question mark there? I don't know. That wasn't me. I don't, okay, what do you mean you don't know? You wrote the notes, Jr. I don't even see a question mark. That's the thing. There's no question mark next to Corey Kluber to the Yankees. I don't yeah, know. On my screen. Not on mine. There is. On well, mine, there is. Whatever. That's why I was like so confused because like, I thought it might have been actually confirmed, but it was a question. How's that my fault? You got to keep up with MLB. Um, I guess then. Outside of that, anything else in MLB before we move on to JR's other topic, UFC? Um, that, that's all I got. All right, okay. UFC, I know, JR, a lot of stuff has happened, so let's go through it. Yeah, of course. Um, Piotr Jan, I know this probably isn't the biggest announcement out of UFC because I'm sure you guys know what the biggest one is, but Piotr Jan is going to defend his uh, title for the first time since winning it against Aljamain Sterling at UFC 259. Um. You know, we've talked about Kamzat Shimiev and Leon Edwards. Um, they've had two cancellations due to COVID. Uh, they finally are hoping for a third time the charm, hoping that that fight can happen. Um, we have had some actual good fights the last couple weeks. Um, again, I'm not going to get into the prize possession fight yet, but Max, Max Holloway. Better known as the Blessed Boy, had an absolutely amazing 
performance against Calvin Cater. He landed the most significant strikes in UFC history. I mean, Max Holloway went to town. He ended up winning by a unanimous decision. It did go all five rounds as it was a main event, but what a fight. I mean, absolutely amazing. That's what you like to see out of Max. Um, yeah, again, not quite getting to the prize possession fight. There is one more. Michael Chandler made his UFC debut, and I didn't know it was his UFC debut because I've known that name for a while. I didn't realize that he's actually never fought on a UFC card, but he won in style. First round KO, did a backflip off the cage. Love to see it for the oh, man. Yeah. He called out Dustin Poirier. He called out Khabib. He called out Conor McGregor, which brings me into my next point. Yeah. Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. As a Conor McGregor fan, this one hurts. McGregor got he got a little sloppy when it came to checking leg kicks. Poirier got him right in the calf a couple times. It was pretty obvious within the first two rounds that McGregor was hurting. Um, Poirier came out and pretty much said that what he was doing was he was hitting the, the calf and McGregor wasn't turning his shin far enough. And so he was causing something called compartment syndrome, which is in the calf, there's not enough room for the swelling and all the pain. And so, you know, McGregor's leg was pretty much not broken, but from a immobilized from a fighting standpoint. Yes. Immobilized. It was pretty much, you know, useless and Poirier got the better from him of him. And, you know, there was some good, good discussion afterwards. Connor seemed to take it pretty good. Uh, He's already pretty much said, Hey, where's the trilogy? I beat you once you beat me once. Let's run it back. I was about to ask you that. Do you think they're going to have a third like deciding fight? They can't not. I mean, Dana White put it pretty perfect, I would say, that there's one of two things that happens. Conor McGregor retires because that man has all the money and success in the world that you could ever want. Or Conor McGregor comes back hungrier and he, you know, he fights and wins. And Now, if he wins, do you think he'll retire or do you think he'll try to go after something like someone again? Conor McGregor is the equivalent to Tom Brady in the UFC. Conor McGregor does not – he is not fighting because of success. I think, Conor, if he, I think if he loses, he'll retire. Huh? I, think if he I don't loses, think so. Now, if he wins, do you think he has enough to get Khabib again? Yeah. Well, yes and no. I think he if he wins again, yeah, he has enough. I don't think Khabib will come back, though. Yeah. So who do you think – who do you think would be next for him? If, if it wasn't Khabib. To be honest, maybe Michael Chandler. I mean, they're in the same weight class. Like I said, he called him out after his win. You know, he's a rising star, so he doesn't have – it's not like he's fighting a big time. I think I know – we all know who McGregor wants if he wins. Who does he want if he wins? He wants Khabib again. Well, yeah, but that's not on the table right now is Khabib is retired. Yeah. And then I guess one little side piece that we had on there – uh, social media personality Jake Paul is getting his first professional fight against well, no, I guess no, no. his other fights were professional it's just against an actual fighter this time now is this a boxing match and Ben Ashman's an MMA fighter yeah here's the thing if Jake Paul wins this he truly can say he's like an actual boxer if he loses this he can't say anything well yeah he, I don't see a, beat, I don't see a world where Askren loses he beat Okay, congrats, Jake Paul. You beat Nate Robinson, who's like 5'11". That doesn't mean anything. That's like beating Ethan Fager. Yeah, it's like beating me. Like, you know you're going to win. So, if you look, 
I mean, fair. If if you beat Ben Askren, that's fair. A hundred percent. You'll you can definitely fight um either boxing, UFC, whatever you want. But if you lose UFC, are you kidding me? Winning a boxing match against okay, a retired fine. MMA fighter. Fine. He, you can be a professional boxer and actually like maybe try to go for championships. But if you lose, you you got no. Uh, Ethan, you're you're speaking too much you don't go for championships after one win against a retired mma fighter he can no i'm saying he can enter that perfect he can enter that thing do you know who ben Askren is yes he's a ufc fighter mma whatever yeah but do you know what he's famous for no ben Askren is famous for being the quickest knockout in ufc history when jorge masvidal ran at him with a flying knee and caught him in the first three seconds that's who Ben Askren is. Now, I'm not discrediting Askren. He's a pretty good fighter himself. And he has loses. I mean, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's all I got for UFC. You kind of stole my thunder there. I was about to get ready to say it, and you were just like, well, actually, social media oh, personality. My, 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 my apologies. Sorry about all that. Right. Soccer. Yeah. Who wants to who wants to do soccer? There's a bunch. I don't have it separated by league, but mm-hmm. okay. why don't we just go league by league? And well, start with the start with Premier League as we normally do. Um, I guess some of the most notable news here is Frank Lampard is out at Chelsea. Um, and I think something uh, Mr. Tuchel will call him because I don't know Thomas Tuchel is not new manager. Um, Frank Lampard obviously Chelsea haven't. An up and down year, we could say, so far this year. So they were. I mean, they're, not- still, they're still mid table. They're, they're still decent, but not where Chelsea fans expect them to be. Um, yeah. You want to talk about some? I mean, not. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much huge news. Liverpool, their four-year home game winning streak was was broken by Burnley. By Burnley. That, that's Burnley. probably that's probably the most important part there. It's by Burnley. Burnley. It's not like by Man City or anything. It's by Burnley. Um, also, out of the Premier League, I mean, Arsenal, who are defending FA Cup winners, Carabao Some. Cup winners. It's one of the two cups. Mm-hmm. They lost their first game in over a year. In the uh, the Club Cup competition, not huge, but you know, they had a pretty good streak going for them. And you know, yeah. Todd's an Arsenal fan. And yep. piggybacking off of Arsenal, speaking of Arsenal, still, um, Mesut Ozil, famed Arsenal. Todd, would you call him a legend at Arsenal? I don't know if legend is the right term, but I mean, like he's a German national team member. Like, he's famed, Ar- famed Arsenal player is going to Fabregasi. Or whatever, how you say it? Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce, which is in Turkey, so he transferred there. Um, another, I guess, Premier League news: Jesse Lingard of Man U. Haven't really heard much of him out of out out of Man U, but he's now on loan to West Ham, another um, a team that's actually doing quite well this year. So, interesting to see how that play out. Well, I mean, you want to talk about how well they're doing? We're not just talking like mid-table. They're doing well. We're talking fifth place. We're talking ahead of teams like Tottenham, Everton, Chelsea, and Arsenal. I mean, that who expected that from West Ham? Yeah, at all. Nobody expected that. Um, 
you know, I'm going to go to the bottom of the table here. Obviously, yeah, we have the relegation battle. Fulham's there at 18, West Brom and Sheffield United. But Sheffield United picked up a huge win earlier this week against Manchester United. A huge win. I mean, what? That was a top, that's a top three team losing to the last place team. Jordan Despenis, I bet that one hurts. <laughs> um. I mean, I guess this is kind of Premier League news. Um, Wayne Rooney retired, um, former Man U legend, started off at Everton. Um, he's kind of been around. He went to D.C. United for a year or two, then finally finished in Derby County, where he's now actually managing uh, Derby County. So good hey, career, Todd. Wayne Rooney. But Todd, was it necessary for Ethan to bring up the fact that he started at Everton? Or do you think he just did that because it's Everton? I think he just did that because it's Everton. I mean, yeah. but it's true. It's yeah. true. Was it necessary? Nah. Uh, nah. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, and then is I don't really think there's anything else in terms of Premier League. I but... mean, we can give a quick little rundown of the table just so we know who's in the uh, Champions League spots. Todd, I know you're laughing right now because you guys don't want to discuss my question, but I think That's it's a viable exactly question. It. How Ethan just dodged that. <laughs> Okay, so first place, Man City. They are uh, four points clear of Man United. All five five of the teams up to West Ham have all played 20 games. So it's not like there's a game in hand anywhere. Uh, Leicester City is one point behind Man U at third, and they are two points ahead of Liverpool, who is in fourth. I think it's just shocking looking at the fact that Liverpool is one game ahead of West Ham. Like, that sentence doesn't sound right. Yeah. At all. I mean, West Ham wins, Liverpool loses. West Ham is ahead of the defending Premier League champions. Well, the champions that scored, I think, wait, did they score the most points ever? Or they were going to before COVID? They were going to before COVID, and then they weren't as good after COVID. Yeah, but they still won because they just played so well. But, um, yeah, JR has a question here. Is Leicester City legit? I want to know. I want to know your guys' opinion. I mean, we did this last year, and I want to say that part of the reason why we had a bad second half of the year is because we had the COVID break. And, I mean, we were up there contending for a title for the first half of the season. Here we are again 20 games into the season, and we're five points out of the title. Do you guys think Leicester has a legit shot to pull off 2016 Magic again? I think there's too much time left right now you yeah, know we still have, so february march 8 and april we still have three whole months of play that's 12 games i mean 18 games oh yeah okay 18 apologies um yeah i, mean, I, I know i'm not i'm not helping my point by saying that there's more but do you think that Leicester's a legitimate title contender a legitimate champions of, league contender as of right now, this instant, yes Talk to me in a couple months where I can see them actually winning the title. I think they're a contender right now. I'd agree with that. I would also say to your point about um, Champions League contender, I think, you know, if they show up and actually want to win the Champions League, yes. But no, no, no. I mean, I mean Champions League spot. We're not in the Champions oh, League this whoa. year. We're in the Europa. I get you. I get you. Um, then, yeah, you. I think you'll probably get the Champions League spot. Oh, um, real quick, I have a little bit of 
I don't know if this is breaking news, but we didn't mention this in the NFL segment. So there are rumors that a lot of coaches and players believe in the Houston organization that J.J. Watt may have played his last game in Houston as well. That is true. I, I did hear that. But yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry about that. I mean, that's all I got for Premier League unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. We want to go to La Liga in Spain because I oh, want to talk sure. about Atletico Madrid and what they've been able to do while on the pitch this year. Um, obviously, this is not the amount of goals that have been scored against them the whole entire season. I believe it's nine goals that have been had scored against them this season in 18 games. So that's already a half a goal per game. But six of those goals were penalties. Atletico Madrid has let up three goals in 18 games in the field. I mean, that's a pretty impressive stat that I think is kind of going underappreciated in Spain. Not to mention, they're on top of the table with 47 points, and they've only played 18 games. Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, is seven points back and have played one game more, and Sevilla is eight points back and has played two games more. Needless to say, Atletico is having themselves a season here. Obviously, with like you know, like we said with the Premier League, there is still what twenty more games for Atletico. I mean, they're not even halfway yet, but you know, they're they're looking good as of now. Yeah. Um, keeping with that, they just actually signed Musa Dembele. Um, you know, speaks for itself, really. Not, I mean, technically La Liga two Bundesliga, Luka Jovic, who was a highly, I'm going to say the word again, highly rated prospect coming out of Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, A couple of years ago, he made his move to Real Madrid and pretty much did exactly what Aiden Hazard has done. And so he made his move back to Frankfurt and he actually played really well. I think he scored two goals in his first game back and, you know, good fit for him back at his, his home place i guess wow eintracht frankfurt just swore as i said that and i had to make sure it wasn't lukiovich because that would have been about as perfect timing as possible mm-hmm. um eric garcia who is the young center back for manchester city is looking to make his return back to barcelona i believe that's actually confirmed but i could be wrong i'm, I'm pretty sure he's made his He's made his return. Uh, not yet. It doesn't look like. Yeah, it looks like he'll be making his return, but nothing confirmed yet. Um, is there anything else for La Liga that I'm missing? I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think you're missing much. Well, we can go to the Bundesliga then, where there's really only one big piece of news outside of looking at the table. And that is the fact that Bayern Munich has already lost more games in 2021 than they did all of 2020. (laughs) All of 2020. A whole year, they lost less games than they have in the month of January. I mean, granted, it's two. Yes, it's two. But... I mean, I don't know. That's just the, that's kind of a crazy statistic. I don't know what it speaks to more. 
how Bayern maybe aren't the same team they were last year or how good they were last year. Yeah. Now, Grant, the other part of that, that statistic is that their loss was a penalty loss in League Cup play to a second-tier uh, second German team. So that makes a little bit worse insult to injury there. Yeah. But needless to say, regardless of their, I guess if you want to call it struggles, they are still a game ahead of Leipzig and 10 points ahead of them. So they're still, you know, a 10 point favorite on the, on the top of the table. Yeah. Yeah. I will say two things I want to point out table wise are for one Dortmund has fallen all the way down to seventh. Um, And secondly, right behind them is FC union Berlin, which I want to say came up from the second division this year. And, I think um, it was two years ago. Was it two years? I think so. Point being, not a very uh, high-profile team that, you know, they're mid-table. They're doing decently well. So, I, I do want to point out, Todd, that you're looking at the table as of, like, yesterday. Uh, Dortmund's actually playing right now, and they're beating Augsburg 3-1, so Dortmund would be up to fifth. Yeah. But I mean, still, Dortmund's not even top four. And for the last however many years, they've been at least top three, if not top two. Right. Yeah. Is there anything as Serie A outside of tables? And same thing with Liga? Because I'm. I so. No. I haven't seen. There, I mean, there's not too much news out of that. Um, Juventus is still fourth. Um, they're, they're two games back from league leaders AC Milan and a game back from Roma and Inter Milan as well. But, you know, not, not every day you see Juve almost not in the Champions League qualifying spot. Uh, I don't see any teams really struggling that, you know, didn't struggle last year. You know, Lazio's still up there after having some didn't they have some problems earlier in the season, Todd? The wheels have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, stemming from last year, but like continuing into this year. All right. Yeah. I mean, what? They're seventh, I want to say, sixth or seventh and seven. Yeah. Um, League one, uh, League one, as Ethan would say. Uh, yeah. Uh, Leon is top of the table however PSG does have a game in hand and they're only a point back so maybe my hot take that PSG falls outside the top three won't happen but hey crazier things have happened right well oh go ahead Ethan oh no no yeah I was just gonna say yeah I think crazy things have happened yeah um I also want to point out that like I'd say for the past five years, PSG has just pretty much run away with the league on a title. But this year, I think they have faced the most competition they have in recent years. And I mean, you look at the table and yes, Leon has played one more game, but they have 46 PSG has 45 and Lee has 45 as well. So, so, and Monaco isn't that far behind with 39. 
So I don't know. This could be a much more interesting league on than we've seen in past years. Yeah, I mean, even if PSG does go on to win their 22nd game, and they, they will be two points ahead of uh, Leon. I mean, when was the last time you saw a team this deep into the season this close to PSG? It's, it's yeah. been a while. Right. I think the thing is, is the talent gap between PSG and all the other teams is amazing. Like, amaz- like, PSG always just gets the best players and kind of... Well, they it. have the money. They exactly. Have that's, that's the so reason. So much more money. So to, so to see like a team like Leon beating the big guy, kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was, that, was a, that was a lot of stuff we covered in the last two hours. Any golf? Any anybody want to add anything on? Uh, I do one thing because we talked about it before, and I just looked at the table, and. It's I, kind of amazing. I think I know you're, are you about to go to the Scottish Premiership again, Todd? I am going to the Scottish Premiership. I was and just looking at it, speaking of, yeah. Rangers is still in first with 72 points and a plus 59 goal differential. Second place is Celtic with 49 points and a plus 32 goal differential. With two games in hand, but that doesn't really matter. They're also, yeah, Three but they're losing – they're losing one of those games right now. Really and they're losing right. one of those games right now. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Celtic. Oh, boy. I mean, what? There's only 12 teams in the league. Right. So how many times do they play? There's 33. So what? They still have the potential for 14 more points. I mean, they could be at 86 when it's all said and done. How is that possible? Wait, am I messing that up? Oh, nope. I'm thinking hockey. Sorry, there's three points. 21 points. 93. My bad. They could be at 93 points. 93. Which is insane. Like, I, I don't – when's the last time that's happened in Scottish premiership? I mean, that's what Celtic does every year. But... No, that's not what Celtic does every year. I don't think they hit 90, do they? No, they hit like 70 or 80. Yeah, in the last five years, oh, actually, I never mind. In 2016, 2017, Celtic did score 106 points, but they have five more games yeah. back then than they do now. So, I mean, yeah, I do, I do enjoy the fact that you brought that up, Todd, because that is just a little bit, it's a little interesting. And, oh, shoot, why can I never remember who's coaching there? Uh, Steven Gerrard. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was somebody that's actually had a good career himself playing, but, I mean, he's doing himself a good job. He's not going to end up like our boy Frank Lampard there at Chelsea. (laughs) But outside of that, anybody else got anything? No. Well, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, We're going to try here at Double FM Sports to kind of try to get more news out. Um, Honestly, honestly, I'm just going to say – forget what Ethan just said because yeah we we're probably right we're, we're probably we're we're, we're going to keep making effort to try to get news out on a more regular basis let's just say yes. I, we're not going to say it's going to happen because we said that before and obviously look what happened but yeah I like that gonna, wording better we're going to make an effort we'll make an effort so hopefully we'll be able to get more news out on a regular basis but if we don't again we apologize um 
make sure to also make sure to look out for some uh, interviews that we posted as well as Todd's spinoff, Todd Town. Um, I've enjoyed listening to Todd's spinoff. And also, I mean, we have what we just had an NFL player, former NFL player on for an interview. I know we've got some in the bag. Recording wise, we're doing this on a Saturday, just yesterday. I know the episode won't be out, but we talked to an NBA G League player. So be on the lookout for some uh, some nice interviews and some good Todd Town episodes. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess if nothing, anyone is anyone else. Todd, you want to sign us off here? Yeah, sure. So until next time, I'm Todd File. I'm Ethan Pager. And I'm Jared Miserat. And we are signing off.